about the fact that uh, we see a great move of revival taking place. And, and when you look at Elijah um, and John the Baptist being called in the spirit of Elijah, we see a forerunner, someone who is preparing the way. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I, I can't look around us and see and, and not recognize, if you will, that we are uh, getting closer to the end according to God's word. Come on, somebody. You can't deny the fact that the signs of the times are taking place. We can see all these different, um, uh, different things happening in the world and recognize that Jesus is coming back soon, right? We don't know the day nor the hour. We don't know when that's going to specifically happen because no one does. But we can also see the signs of the time and know that it is sooner rather than later. And I believe that God is stirring a generation. He's stirring a people who are hungry for his presence, who are hungry to grow deeper in him. And I'm here to tell you, a sermon on Sunday is not going to satisfy you. Come on. A worship service on Sunday is not going to satisfy you. It is the constant digging in his presence, his constant digging in his word, because he said, those who, those who seek me with all their heart, it is those who shall find me. It's not half-hearted worship. It's not just Sunday morning only worship. It's not just Wednesday night worship. But it's an everyday seeking the face of God. That is what will satisfy the heart of mankind. And God's looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And I see that there is a stirring. There is a remnant of people who are hungry. There is people who are starving for the, the presence and power of God. And, and I'm here to tell you that even on Sunday mornings, it's not enough. You've got to have more. You've got to seek his face. You've got to draw near to his presence because he wants to infill you. You're infilling of the Holy Spirit. If you got baptized in the Holy Spirit 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 5 years ago, or just yesterday, it is a every single day experience in the presence and power of God. He said be being filled. In other words, be continually filled. I want to know that every morning when I get up, when I walk out and I say, Lord, I want your presence just as new today as the moment that I was refreshed in you and saved and sanctified and filled with your Holy Spirit. Come on. Amen. And so therefore, there's a moving, there's a stirring, and there's a hunger, and there, I believe, a forerunner spirit taking place in the body of Christ where people are ch being challenged to, to expand the territories of the kingdom of God and not be uh, silenced by the world's uh, views. Come on, somebody. Also, I talked about the fact that, that there's a Jezebel spirit that has arised in these latter days. And, and, and the, even though the word of God does not specifically say the spirit of Jezebel, we can see that there is a spirit that, that influenced Jezebel. And we see that spirit that has influenced Herodias in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6. And so we see that spirit, and that same spirit is flowing today to silence the voice of those who are hungry and those who are seeking the face of God. And when you look at that, that spirit of Jezebel, it is a spirit that despises authority. It hates anything to do with something that would uh, be an authority over them. Does that... Does that prick your spirit? Does that alarm you to see not only in just about every show you watch, there's something to do with a questioning of authority? Oh me, God help us, right? And so we see this, this prevalent movement of anti-authority, anti-Christianity, anti-God movement 
that wants to squash any type of authority and diminish even the authorities that God has established. Come on. Amen. And so when we look at this Jezebel spirit and how it tries to operate and silence the voice of the Christian world, we see it operating in multiple facets. We see it operating as a, a lust, right? Where I talked about last week how in our nation the, that pornography is a multi-billion dollar industry and how it is corrupting the mindsets and breaking down the anointing of God. There are people of God who have fallen trapped and been captivated by pornography and it is keeping them from walking in the anointing and the power of God because it's causing them to walk under the subjection of the flesh. And so therefore we see how this spirit operates, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, lust for power. We see it operating in fear and discouragement and depression and how it disposes those who are in authority. So, where do we go from here? Now we, like Paul Harvey, we're the rest of the story. And, and, and so when I think of this, I think of Elijah, who was a man of God, a, a prophet of God. A man who, as I talked about last week, who was able to pray and it shut up the heavens. And who prayed and it op- the heavens opened up. Who, who was a man of authority in God's presence, in God's power. Even though we see where the Word of God says that he was a man just like us. He walked in an authority of God. How many know that you've been given the keys of the kingdom? So therefore, you've been given authority in God's kingdom. You are God's people. You walk in God's authority. You walk in God's anointing. And the enemy wants to silence and shut you up. And my thought is, if Elijah is that type of person, a man of God, who is just a man like you, uh, you or, or a man or woman, okay, like you and I, then, then if that's the case, and, and he was able to do these things, how much more are we able to walk in the authority and power and anointing of God? Amen? But yet, when I think of this, if he, a a disciplined man of God, fell to the schemes of Jezebel, how much more will an undisciplined, biblically illiterate, spiritually insensitive, immature generation stave off the attacks of a Jezebel spirit? I didn't get any amens on that. Because when I look around and I see a society who is undisciplined, spiritually insensitive, immature in the faith, and and, and they want to spout off, they want to follow every man's doctrine, every move that this person makes or that person makes to make them feel good, it it causes me to question, where are they grounded? Where Where are they founded in the Word of God? Who's holding them accountable? Who's instilling in them values? Who's entrusting in them the Word of God? Who is forming and shaping them? Because if they're transit, if they're vagabonds going from one place to the next, do they even understand spiritual authority? Amen. And so therefore, I believe that we must become disciplers in the body of Christ. We must become people who instill and invest, just as 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 1 says, These things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. There's a process. We don't just 
gain and get so that we can hoard it up and put it in our little cistern and hold it for some time later on on a rainy day. We are called by God to be, to be a, a, a people who also ingest the word and it flows through us so that others can also be recipients of what God has for the body of Christ. When I think about this, I think about Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 19, where Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Now go make disciples, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's where many people stop. But it goes on and says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and I will be with you until the end of the age. There's a promise given. If you're willing to walk in the authority of God, if you're willing to make disciples, if you're willing to teach others all the commands the Lord has given us, then the Lord says, then I will be with you even until the end of the age. In other words, you don't have to be intimidated. You don't have to be silenced by the voice of the world, but know that if you are doing these things, I will be an empowering force with you. I will be your presence. I will be your power. I will be your anointing if you'll obey me. Amen. When I think about that, there is a divine order. A lot of people don't want to talk about the big four-letter word, obey. Man, we talk about four-letter words, and we're like, whoa, he's saying a four-letter word. It's almost like a cuss word, curse word, whichever background you come from. That's a bad word. Obey. We don't like it. It, all, it. it automatically stirs something up in us, that rebellious side of our flesh. It says, wait a minute. Obey. I'm independent-minded. I think for myself. I don't need any other thing to tell me what to do. I can do my own thing. Sound familiar? You've had teenagers, haven't you? <laughs> Some of you got spouses, right? Lord help us. I do offer uh, marital counseling. <laughs> but there's divine order. From the very beginning, God has established order. I mean, when you think of even the very first six days, God established an order. He, he put order into the heavens and, and set order in heavens and earth. He set an order in times and seasons, setting order to geological systems. He gave rules. He gave or established boundaries, if you will. He, he, he even established order within homogeneous groups like mankind. And we look at Adam and Eve, and he set boundaries for them. He said, this is what I want you to have. This is what I'm blessing you with. Stay in these boundaries, and it will be good for you, right? That's the PDV version. Paul Dyer version, just to clarify. Later, he gave Moses boundaries for Israel. And Jesus summed those boundaries up in two. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? These were the boundaries that God gave us. These were the, the other four-letter word, word, rule. Five rules that God gave us. We don't like those words. Those words stir up in us. Anxiety, I don't want to obey. I don't like rules. Don't fence me in. Some of y'all might know that song. But you know, rules 
boundaries and rules were given to us to protect ourselves. I mean, how many like football? About three of you, especially after yesterday. We like football, but there are some rules that were given to protect the players. I mean, there's a rule that has been initiated over the last few years that drives me crazy. But it's, I recognize the necessity of it called targeting. And it's when, you know, an, a defenseless player is carrying the ball or not paying attention and another player reaches down, launches towards them head to head or head to body and that could hurt somebody. Right? I mean, somebody hits me like that, I might be fragile. I might break a bone or two. These guys are thick and, you know, 190 to 300 and more pounds. I asked one guy the other day, I said, how you doing? I said, what you up to? He said, about 550. I'm like, wow. But these guys are built for that, but at the same time, even them and all of their physical fitness are unable to take those blows. So there's a boundary set to keep them safe. There's a boundary set to make sure that they don't harm themselves and others. There's many rules that are given for that purpose. Rules establish protection. You know, one thing I realized and, and, and follow me for a moment. You know, I'm, many of you know that I am now a chaplain for the sheriff's department. Uh, this is a re-up. I used to be a chaplain with the sheriff's department. Now I'm back in that role. And there's three things that really affect a police officer. And having, if you have been around law enforcement or have been in law enforcement, it's, it's a struggle because it's almost as if your emotions sometimes are shut down because you are affected by so many different streams of life you're affected by so many things but there's three things that really affect the emotions of a police officer and one of those is an infant fatality and you can imagine that that is probably the worst thing to feel it would be for any of us to see a child pass away the other is an officer fatality someone who dies in the line of duty and that affects them but there's another one that, that really hits very hard, and, and that is the, the fatality of, of, being, of, of having to shoot someone, shooting someone and causing a fatality. Because police officers are not trained just to go out and be killing machines. It's not something that they want to do. It's not something that they advocate. It's not something that they, 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 that they just are, are, are happy to do. It's something that affects them. It tears them up to have had to do that and not many of them, because even though the media wants to make it sound like all cops do that, it's, not, it's very rare that that happens. And, and so it, it, it's, it's, it's devastating because of this one fact. Because it is a blatant disobedience that usually causes those things to happen. I mean, when a cop says... Please put down your weapon. It needs obedience, right? If the cop says, you know, let me see your hands. Please keep your hands where I can see them. It's, it's a 
necessity. It's one to protect them and to protect the person that is uh, there. Only to keep something from happening. Put down your weapon. Put, down, put your hands where I can see them. Put down the gun. Step away from the firearm. All these things are things that require obedience. But I was reading an article that really stirred me in this. And it's called, uh, it's by John Piper. Many of you have heard of John Piper. Um, and it's an article called, Parents Require Obedience of Your Children. It was written in October of 2013. And he tells of a story about a 13-year-old boy named Andy Lopez of Santa Rosa, California. And this little 13-year-old boy, and I want to say little, but some 13-year-olds are bigger than me these days. But, but this 13-year-old boy um, was, was out playing with a gun. Well, the police officers, he, the law was called on him because nobody knew that it was not a real gun. And, and, and so the police officers, when they arrived, they told him, put down the firearm well the boy you got to know at 13 years old you know what you're doing if it was a three-year-old i would say three-year-olds might not understand that process but a 13 year old knows what they're doing and they know that if you say something they know to do or not to do right and so the 13 year old boy, instead of laying it down turned the firearm a toy later finding out, towards the officers, and they had to shoot him. They didn't know. But the, the, the mindset is this. I mean, whether he didn't understand, whether, you know, maybe he didn't hear, I don't know. I, I wasn't there to see that. But the, the point is, what if? What if he heard the police and simply defied what they said? If that is true, it cost him his life. Such would be the price of disobeying authority. Now, we recognize that at some point we all uh, have been cavalier. Come on. Y'all take your halo off. That's right. We've all been cavalier. We've all been disobedient. We've all been insubordinate. We've all been rebellious. I mean, when you read the Word of God in Ephesians chapter 2, 1 and 3, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3, Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Verse Ephesians chapter 5 and 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. We all have walked in uh, inappropriate ways. We've all made mistakes. There's none who has, there's none righteous, the Bible says. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all made mistakes. Okay, man? Some of you might not have made it as bad as other ones, but in the reality is sin is sin. In Romans chapter 8, uh, Romans chapter 1 verse eight, 18, it says that sin reveals itself in wrath. That's the PDV version. Wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. We've all been there. But praise God, we've had a but God moment. Amen. 
We've had the moment where God transformed our lives, Ephesians chapter 2, 4, and 5. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us even when we were dead and our transgressions made alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Thank God for the but God moment. Amen? Thank God for the transformation. Thank God that he loved us enough that even while we were yet in sin, he died for us. Thank God that we have been given the opportunity to walk in life and hope and be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. But because we have been transformed, but because we've been renewed, but because we have had that but God moment, how much more should we train up our children in the way that they should go? How much more should we teach our children to obey authority? Amen? Where does that start at? It doesn't start with, go, obey your teacher. It doesn't even start there. It doesn't start when obey the police or obey this or that. It starts where? At home. It starts at home. When little Johnny won't eat his peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And you say, well, it's all right, baby. I'll make you whatever you want you to make. Huh? They think this is mom and pop's restaurant. I don't want that what you've cooked today. I don't like it. Well, son, this is what you're going to eat today because this is, this, is, this is what was made. Right? It starts there. It starts in the menial things. Pick up your clothes around your bed. Stretching her, aren't I? There's a hamper. Use it. Your clothes doesn't need to be beside it. It needs to be in it. Right? The dishes. Yes, Lord. It's called water and soap. It works. Right? I mean, I mean, listen, the Bible says this. <laughs> Ephesians 6, 1 and 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Whoa. Obey your, obey your parents, for this is right. And it quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 5 and 16. And in verse 2 it says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long. Because otherwise we're going to beat you. I'm just this is a, it says the opposite of that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It says, verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So let me, let, me, let, me, let me help bring this home. If God wants children to obey their parents, should not parents make their children obey them? Should not parents require obedience within their home? It's not, it's not because we don't love you. It's not because we're trying to punish you. It's not because we don't care. It's because we don't want you to get shot one day.
It's because if we don't train you now as a young person, as we don't form you and mold you, then when you get out into the world, you are, you are an obnoxious kid who disobeys all the rules, who everybody talks about, and you find yourself behind bars and stripes, and you might not look good in orange. You might not be a volunteer. I am bad today, dude. I am so sorry. I'm a Clemson fan. I wear orange too. We're all good. We're all good. Gray and white stripes. I'm sorry. But isn't that, isn't that true? That we need to help our children shape and mold them? Isn't it true that we need to guide them and lead them it's not because we don't care it's not because we don't love them it's because we want them to understand what it means to be a disciple and if it's only the implications of the natural because in reality it's also supernatural if we don't learn to obey the limited authority that we have been given right here in the natural how much more will we obey the heavenly father the authority of god and walk in the salvation of the lord and obey the truths that he's laid out before us if we don't teach them now how will they know it's our responsibility well you don't know johnny I may have been Johnny. But I'm thank God for every stripe <laughs> that was laid, every, every red mark, because I deserved them. And because my parents didn't spare the rod, did it, does it mean that I didn't go astray? I didn't say that. But I understood what was right and wrong. I had a guideline. I had a boundary. I understood that if I crossed these boundaries, that there would be some type of consequence. And it might not have been just the wrath of God. My parents might have been the wrath of God, and I thank God for it. Amen. I'm going to go on to meddling. I'm sorry. There was a young person on the plane one day, and I watched this parent. You know, how many have ever flown internationally? Well, even locally, I'm sure. If you've flown, you, you get into the plane, and, and in, in the plane, as they're preparing to take off, they shut the doors, and they tell you to cut off all your electronics, or they tell you to put them in airplane mode. Am I right? And, and so one day I was sitting behind this little boy and his mother and, and the attendant had come through and already stated, cut all of your electronics off. Well, this little boy sat there and he kept on playing. The mother never said anything to him. And the flight attendant walked past and says, please, ma'am, have him shut that off. Mother never said anything. After the third time, the flight attendant come in again and says, ma'am, you're going to have to make him shut this off. We are about to take off. And finally, she looked over at the little boy, and he cut it off. Well, the flight attendant goes up to the front, and she straps herself in, buckles in, 
And guess what little boy does? He pulls it back out, turns it back on. Mama never says anything. In my process, in my mind, I'm thinking, she's going to get this kid shot one day. Because if she can't handle a five by eight little iPad to tell little Johnny to shut it off, how much more is she going to be able to help steer him in life and the decisions that he'll make because now he's going to question every authority that is around him. You might think that's simple, but I'm telling you, it is fact. When dinner is made and the kids are still at the Xbox and you say, shut it off, it's dinner time, guess what? Shut it off, it's dinner time. I'm preaching at home right now, boys. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. I hope the fire of the Lord is in this place. But there's a reality that why would we expect the world to be any different if they have not been taught and disciplined and discipled? You know, we, 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 we want people to come to church and we want them to come, but you know, there are too many times we're expecting people to come as a clean fish. But I've never been to the banks of a river and caught a, a, a clean catfish. I mean, I have to nail that baby to the piece of wood and I have to skin it. In other words, I've got to discipline that thing. And anybody wants to invite me, I'm willing. But reality is, is that parents, adults, children of God, we are called to mentor, disciple, prepare people for this world. Because look, there's a, a world that is going rebellious, anti-authority, falling to the schemes of the enemy, falling to the Jezebel spirit that is running rampant through our society. And if we don't dis discipline them, if we don't train them, if we don't qu equip them now, what are we preparing them for? We're preparing them for failure. We're preparing them for the wrath of God. We're preparing them for a, a life full of turmoil, full of conflict, full of harassment, full of trials. God help us. Even, even Saul, Samuel had gone to Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 and 23. says, so Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. And it goes on in verse 23 and says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Can I say that again? For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. God help us to understand the necessity of forming and shaping our young people, our children, the next generation in such a way that we form them to not our own religious views, but we form them according to the word of God. Amen? That they're not wavering from every form of doctrine, following every breath of whoever states, but they're listening to the word of God. 
Going back to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 says, Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Listen to this word, if you want to underline it, guard. So in other words, retain, and now guard. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. And this is, this is good preaching right here, y'all. Retain it. Guard it. Protect it. Understanding that it is a treasure. It is a life-giving treasure that, that produces within us the righteousness of God that gives us the, the victory that allows us to walk on the streets of gold that gives us the, the new name in heaven, gives us the opportunity with, that when the Lord breaks out of the clouds of glory and says, come home, my children, that I know that I know that I have retained this word of God. And it is what shapes and forms and transforms me. And I guard it and I protect it because I know that it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 14 and 19 says, remind them of these things. Look, I'm telling you guys, don't, don't give up your guard. Don't let down the opportunity, but remind them. Remind your children, remind yourself. Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words which, are, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. But verse 15, 2 Timothy 2 and 15, but be diligent to present yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly discerning or dividing the word of truth. Amen. Amen. When I think of that, I'm closing. When I think of that, approved. It says to be approved of God, to present yourself. Think about that. To present yourself approved unto God. The word approved, when you look at the terminology, the way it was used in those days was that they were coin makers. They didn't have bills like we have, like dollar bills, five dollar bills. But they used coin money. And they would pour that hot liquid into these molds to make the coins. And they would be rough. So they would have to sand them down a little bit. Get the rough edges off. The word approved come from a term about men of integrity. See, because in those days, there were over 80 laws given about money exchanging. And so, people would cheat the system. They know the metal was soft. They know that they could, they could file them down a little bit, so they would file just enough off that it would not give way that they were cheating. And they'd file those coins down and Many people did this. That's why there were so many laws against it. But, but the people who would not take ill-weighted coins were called the diacom. And the diacom is the same word used here, approved unto God. It was someone who was not willing to compromise their position. It was someone not willing to 
to just be half-hearted or just let little things go. But someone who walked in integrity and said, this is the rule that we follow. This is the plan that God's laid out. This is the system that I have been raised up in. So therefore, I will follow it. And so therefore, they were considered Christian men, men of integrity. Approved unto God. Look, what we're doing is we're shaping our children to be approved unto God. To not be taking the shortcuts. To not just, well, this is all I really need to do to get to heaven. This is all I'm going to do. But we're teaching them to be full on, full weighted, complete in God. That's what we're trying to develop. You want to come against the world system? The, the, the abuses that the world has? You want to see true righteousness and justice taking place? Teach people to obey God's word. Because the righteousness of God, the love of God will prevail. Come on. Perfect love cast out darkness. That's what the Bible says. And so when we teach children and we ourselves follow a path of integrity, living out the completeness of God's Word, we dispel darkness and we see the light of Jesus shining forth in all of our ways. The fruits of the Spirit are on display. It goes on and says, to handle, accurately handling the Word of truth. How many have ever chopped wood before? Man, I'm glad that I didn't have to chop wood long. Because when I chop wood, you know, you hit it. And you're supposed to hit it back in the same spot. I had the whole top of that piece of wood just chopped absolutely to pieces. I said, this is killing me. A piece of wood. I can't get it. But when, it's, when it says accurately handling the Word of God, it's saying be consistent with your aim. That every time you hit that baby right on the same spot, pow! That you're not being inconsistent. That when you state this is what the Word of God says, that you don't go out and you live something else. That when, when the Word of God has transforms your life and you go and tell somebody they don't look at you and say you don't live that out it's when your word matches your actions it's hitting that baby on the mark every single time now, I recognize that I don't have the ability to do that all the time by myself right and that is why I live by the grace of God who has given me the Holy Spirit because I am the temple. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowers me to be able to walk a godly, righteous life. Right? And because of that, I'm able to trust the Lord. I'm able to surrender to the Lord. I'm able to handle accurately the Word of God. Today, I'm following up. 
Because there is a there is a spirit that wants to destroy each one of us who have the voice of God. The word of God says it this way, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have it life and life more abundantly. John 10. 10. Are you prepared for the attack of the enemy? Are you preparing your children? Maybe your children are grown. Are you preparing your grandchildren? Do you have someone that you, at this moment, are pouring into and trusting the Word of God? Are you forming them in the fashion to be able to stand firm in the faith that when all else is shaken, when all the world is coming against, that you are able to stand having, having done all to stand, right? That we put on the full armor of God. We're in a position to walk as overcomers in Christ Jesus. I encourage you guys. I encourage you families, parents, grandparents, mentors. Those who invest the Word of God. Let's do it with faithfulness. Let's do it with integrity. Let's do it with with intentionality. Recognizing that this world needs, this world needs more than ever a foundation of truth. They need to hear the voice of God. They need to hear the truths of God. And we need to, to join together to teach the truths of God. Amen. Father, I thank you for this challenge that you that you gave me. And Lord, as I was studying this week, this, this challenged my heart, God. And Lord, I recognize that I have been inconsistent. I recognize that I have not always done my best in instilling the values and the understandings of your word. And I pray, God, that you will give me the wisdom and the strength and the courage to be able to invest in others. That they too will be able to carry this word. Invest in such a way, Lord, that they know it from backwards to forwards, that they too can invest in others to see this world transformed. Lord, help us to prepare our kids for all that they will face in this world. But most importantly, help help us to prepare them for a future of eternity in heaven. Lord, use us. Equip us. Give us your anointing and your presence to fulfill your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. It is my joy to see you here this morning. It's my pleasure to be a part of you. If there is something specific that you want us to pray with you about, please know that we have a great prayer team that meets every Monday morning for prayer. We are looking to establish another time as well that people can come and pray. 
But every Monday morning, we, we go over a prayer list that has been turned into the church. We pray for you. It's not something that just puts on a list and nobody thinks about it. We pray for you. And then we have intercessors throughout the week who are continuing to pray over those lists, over those people and over those needs. So if you have a specific need, please inform us so that we can be in prayer with you to see God's hand move in your world and your life. Amen. I love you. Brad, we're praying for you. Bobby, we're praying for you. We love you. If we can be here for you, let us know. Be blessed. This evening we have Sunday Night Grow. If you'd like to be a part of that, don't stand in the back and wave. Come forward. This is Miss.